Mindsight by Dan Siegel. One sentence summary. Mindsight offers a new way of transforming your life for the better by connecting emotional awareness with the right reactions in your body, based on the work of a renowned psychologist and his patients. My favorite quote from the author is, if you have a fight with yourself, who can win? Dan Siegel. Here's a tip. If you really want to make something stick in other people's minds, come up with your own word. It not only shows creativity and allows you to claim the phrase, because of its novelty, people will perk their ears up and curiously ask for more. Once you've given them a good definition, they're much more likely to remember it than if you just describe something to them in regular terms. Dr. Dan Siegel did just that. He coined the term mindsight to describe the skill of being able to reflect on the connection that exists between your body and your mind, combining emotional intelligence with self-awareness and stoicism. Done right, it can help you deal with trauma, uncertainty, improve your relationships with loved ones and, of course, control your emotions. I think it's a great concept. Here are three lessons that help you develop mindsight. 1. Think of yourself as a river to cultivate a balanced, harmonic self. 2. Practice the three pillars of mindsight. Observation, objectivity and openness. 3. Be receptive, not reactive in your relationships. Out of all the possible Jedi mind tricks you could learn, mindsight is by far the best one. So let's get to it. Mindsight, lesson one. Imagine yourself as a river to stay calm and balanced. This answers the question, what is the river analogy, for example, Bruce Lee always talked about, so helpful for? This is it. If I could only ever give you three lessons to live by, this would be one of them. It's been one of the core things that's allowed me to live a very happy life so far. Ready for it? Be balanced and harmonic. I believe in the golden mean. Always have, always will. Staying away from extreme thoughts and ideologies has helped me get along with most of the people I've met in my life. Constantly adapt to my circumstances, yet never completely veer off the path I intended to pursue. Whenever I've abandoned this and gone too extreme in one direction or the other, for example by slacking off too much or too little, I've become unhappy. Finding the right balance means being able to adapt to changing external circumstances while staying stable and true to your own values. How can you do that? Think of yourself as a gently flowing river. You won't clash with the people in your life and your environment, but just embrace them, make room for them, flow around them and continue on your original course. This means accepting that it's normal for your actions, emotions and thoughts to fall into different places on a big spectrum and trying to balance emotional and rational thinking so that neither completely takes over. Mindsight, lesson two. Practice the three key aspects of mindsight with different exercises, observation, objectivity, and openness. This answers the question, what is the core idea behind mindsight? The reason the above exercise helps is that it shows you that your emotions aren't character traits. They're fleeting experiences in your life, nothing more. This is great because it gives you control and makes them much less frustrating to deal with. A similar exercise you can do is to imagine your mind is an ocean. What you think and feel comes in ripples, waves or even storms, but it always just moves across the surface of the ocean. The bottom deeply beneath, it is always calm. 
The feelings on top are always temporary, but it's still up to you to find the calmness deep within. With exercises like these, you'll practice the three key pillars of mindsight. Number one, observation. Learning to notice when distracting thoughts pull away your focus. Number two, objectivity. Following the flow of your thoughts without judging, noticing how you feel and learning from it. And number three, openness. Accepting your emotions at every turn and not letting them turn into a source of stress. Keep practicing these and you'll become the most balanced human being you know. Mindsight, lesson three. Try to be receptive, not reactive in your relationships with loved ones. This answers the question, what is a good attitude in, to cultivate in your relationships that follows from practicing mindsight? We all fight with our partners. Whether you're married, in a relationship, or even single and still waiting for someone special, you know that arguing is a natural part of any, and not just romantic, human relationship. One of the main distinguishing factors between letting those fights pile up, grow, and ultimately destroy the relationship and dealing calmly with new ones to resolve them without hassle is whether you're receptive or reactive. If you're reactive, every complaint your partner makes feels like a threat. You instantly go into freeze, fight, or flight mode, trying to pretend nothing happened and ignore the problem, run away, or attack your better half, none of which are good responses and ultimately lead to a big communication problem. But if you manage to stay receptive to your partner's feelings, you'll always find a way to talk things through. Even if you don't agree with them, you'll always listen first and show them that you value and acknowledge their perspective and emotions. And if things get really heated, you can try taking a timeout from the fight, practice some of the other exercises and return to the conversation with a fresh attitude. Here's what I learned from Mindsight by Dan Siegel. I prepared something I want to show you that goes really well with this book summary, but in reading it, I actually thought of a few more things I would like to talk about. And the very first one is, I mentioned it in the question that, that the first lesson tries to answer, Bruce Lee was talking a lot about water. I think water is, based, first of all, water is a very common and important idea in Asian culture. It's They focus so much more on water as opposed to I guess us Westerners, we talk about land a lot and in, in general, that, that's just everywhere in conversation, right? Um, maybe that's because the uh, Asian continent has way more islands and there's the whole uh, Indian Ocean and I mean, Japan's right at the water, Korea's fairly close to it, Taiwan, uh, um, Macau, all these islands in front of China, Hong Kong, um, I don't know. But definitely water is much bigger in Asian culture than it is in Western culture, that's one thing. And so in Kung Fu or basically any sort of fighting craft or fighting uh, style that there's so many uh, in, in the Asian um, culture, they a lot of them center around the idea of water because these, these self-defense practices, they're mostly not just about fighting and technique and tactics, but they're all, they all hold a philosophy. And a big part of Bruce Lee's philosophy was that and Bruce Lee was probably the most uh, popular uh, proponent of martial arts in the world. Um, he always said, be water, my friend. Um, and the idea was that uh, you would be formless and you would just adapt to 
whatever form you would need to be, right? Like water does. You can pour water into any surface. Like if I pour water into my glass on my table here, um, then the water is going to take the shape of the glass. But if I pour water, which would be stupid, over my keyboard on my laptop, then it would seep into in between the keys and it would adapt to that, right? And it would live inside the laptop. So water is, is water itself is shapeless, right? It's always it always adapts to whatever container it's in. And he had this idea that a great martial arts fighter does the same thing, right? They adapt to the surrounding they're in, whether that's outside or, for example, a training ground or inside in some kind of uh, training facility they would adapt to their opponent, they would adapt to what they're wearing, and so on and so on and so on, right? And this idea of being a river, being a river it not only, it's not only about the fighting, it's also about the, the state in your mind while you're fighting, which is to stay calm, because the way Bruce Lee practiced it, and most martial arts actually practice, is that it's not about fighting and being aggressive and being proactive in attacking people it's always a means of defense right so your idea is to stay calm and balanced and just keep your cool and if you do get attacked you have a way of defending yourself and basically channeling the other person's energy against them which is also something that water does right the harder you fight water the faster you drown when you try to stay afloat you sink when you try to sink in water you float that's a quote from alan watts by the way he was talking about this it's called the law of reversed effort. <clears throat> so water is really, really powerful. And this idea of staying water and whether you think of yourself as an ocean or a river with a calm surface and, and the deep calmness and with the with the maybe stormy surface and the, the, the calm depth down inside or the river idea to flow around people. Um, and the reason I said I believe in that and I really do is so the golden mean, the die goldene Mitte is what we say in German. And... Basically, the idea is that whatever there is in life, there's too much of it and too little. There's one extreme and another extreme. And if you stay in the middle, you will likely do fine. Like, I really believe in that. The golden, the golden middle of, I don't know, eating pasta or pizza, right? If you don't want to have pizza every day, if you have it like once a week, maybe it's great if you love pizza. But if you had it every day, it would still start sucking. And so on, and right, it, it applies to basically everything. But this whole idea of being a river, being balanced, being diplomatic in your relationships, having balance, um, knowing that nothing is the world's end, and there's always going to be a tomorrow, and there comes another day, and it's not the next blog post that's important, and it's still just one blog post among many, and you're not defined by your work, and all these ideas come with basically this river analogy. So there's so much more to it. I could talk about it for hours. But I actually want to move on. Um, the other thing I would like to tell you about, uh, observation, objectivity, openness, that's just the three sort of threesome of, of cool things to remember about mindset. The other one I want to quickly address is that reactive versus receptive. So reactive is always you think of yourself as being someone who things happen to, right? It's So the other person, they hurt your feelings. Um, they didn't tell you something important, right? They kept a secret from you. They were angry. They yelled at you. They, 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 right? And it's true, people do these things. But if you look at them that way, then always it's always the other person that's at fault, which is only half of the truth all the time. But if you think of yourself as 
if you are receptive in your relationship, then basically you're trying whatever signals the other person sends, whether they're good or bad or signals of pain or, or frustration or happiness, you receive these and you just look at them and say, okay, that's what I see. Like, that's what I perceive, right? So I receive this information and then I can just, I, I think like what's, if I, if that was me sending those signals, like what kind of answer would I want? And what's the right way to sort of um, use these and, and what are, what do we do with these now? Right now I have these, but it's, it's, and it puts you in such a different um, state of mind. So for example, just a very tiny thing, right? I, my roommate proposed that we move to another location with another guy. So basically he said, let's move and um, make a cool roommate living situation with one other guy that I know. So, and it would be the two of us moving uh, with this other guy. And I've long been thinking about actually moving out and well, not long. It's just that I've been living with roommates for a long time. And so I was thinking about getting my own place. So I've been thinking, man, it would be kind of nice if I had just like my own apartment and I would be set and I would be live alone and that's it. So every time it comes up, I notice he gets really excited about the whole idea of like us living with another person. And I don't have anything against that. But at the same time, I think like for me, the right next step to take would be to live alone. So I kept saying things like, yeah, we can look at that uh, and, and so on. But at the same time, if I get something, you know, for myself, maybe maybe I will I will take that chance. And he's like, okay, okay. And the next time we talk about it, I notice he gets really excited about the other idea again. So I'm constantly worried that he'll, he's going to be disappointed if I do get my own place. So, but instead of reacting to that all the time and just trying to, you know, and for example, ignoring it and then maybe in the end telling him, you know what, actually I'm going to get my own place. I try to be receptive of his feelings and of his feelings and try to like address every time I say, you know what, like I, I don't have anything against this idea. I think it would be cool. On the other hand, I've been living in roommate situations for so long. I might get my own place and I want to look into other places. Da, 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 da. And I try to sort of manage his expectations by just being receptive of his his euphoria about the idea of us moving to another place so that's just one example right um and if you try to generally i notice my life is better if i do that right i don't always do it obviously i'm not perfect no one is uh, i avoid stuff too but uh, in the end like if you can manage to do that that's actually a really uh, helpful practice so the one thing I had prepared actually to to uh, add to the comment, which I haven't used at all right now, is an article called Seven Real Jedi Mind Tricks. I think it's very old. It's on Medium. It's from 2015. But if you know, if you're a Star Wars fan, Star Wars fan like me, I am. Uh, the Jedi they can perform tricks with their mind because they control the Force, which is basically they can they have telepathic skills, right? They can move objects with with their hands from a distance and so on. And so these like this idea of like real Jedi mind tricks, it's usually about mindfulness tactics. And there were actually a couple of good ones in this article, very basic ideas, but they really help manage your emotions and they play well into this whole idea of mindset. So one of them was take a deep breath, right? So just, you know, taking one deep breath. I mean, that's really powerful. Even for me, I've been talking for like 15 minutes. And so that just calmed me down. The other one is um, touching yourself. Basically, <laughs> not that way. 
touching yourself on your skin or touching another person when you tell them something. It's a sort of human connection and it also works as a pacifier, right? That's why you touch your neck, for example, or your forehead when you're worried or stressed. Um, naming your emotions. Putting a label on your emotions is super powerful because when you when you notice you're angry, that's like, ah, there's something boiling inside. But when you say, I'm angry, that already takes away some of the anger. It's fascinating. I don't know how exactly it works. I can't tell you. But if you if you have done this before, you know it's true. When you just say, I'm angry, that the, the way you say, I'm angry, <laughs> it already takes away some of the anger. It's fascinating, right? Um, here's another one talking to yourself obviously like pep talks that works here's an interesting one call yourself by name it's like talking basically talking to yourself or about yourself in third person obviously you can just do this in your mind but saying something like okay Nick okay Nick you got this right so that's one then the other is like in third person okay it's like it's time for Nick to actually do his shit right that's also another one saying thank you that's a small one Um, but if you just if you just say thanks a lot, I like there's a saying: rather say thanks one time too often than one time too little. I think that wraps it up pretty well. Uh, speaking of wrapping up, it's way 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 about time we we wrap this up. Uh, been a lot of fun talking about mindset. I hope you learned one or two things or three or four, and I will see you on one of the next summaries.